I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Tickets are on sale, folks. Uh, Vancouver, uh, Edmonton, both of those shows. Tickets are up. They're on sale. The Edmonton show is happening September 19th. Cannot wait. We're going to be at 9910. 9910. And then shortly after that, we're going to Vancouver, September 21st at the Biltmore. And uh, just want to say this right now. We're locking in guests right now. And it's this is shaping up to be a pretty good little uh, set of shows. Yeah, she's shaping up to be pretty yeah, good. Yeah, she's shaping. So uh, go get your tickets. They're on sale now. You can find the ticket uh, link in the show notes of this episode, or you can just go to our Instagram and check out the link in our bio there. Uh, let's get right down to it, folks. Brass tacks. Brass tacks. This is actually a very fun little uh, article that I came across. Um Neuroscience research suggests LSD might enhance learning and memory by promoting brain plasticity. Cool. Oh, man, I've been watching. Uh, I watched a bit of the uh, How to Change Your Mind How to Change Your Mind series on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, I watched the first episode about LSD. And I watched the second episode about psilocybin. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just fantastic. That, that headline to me sounds like pretty obvious. I feel like that's. Uh, yeah, but like that's because this- that's because we're learned. In the in the yeah. in this area, I, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that this is pretty obvious to me. Um, um, I mean, I like I I understand the notion that like, uh, or at least I've I've come to understand through conversations we have on this podcast, things that I've read, things that I've listened to, um, about things that uh, uh, did Dona just eat something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, uh, someone's someone's sl- slide sl- host slides. <laughs> Brian's um, host line is destroyed. Yeah, well, that's a chew toy now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've come to than my AirPods. <laughs> I've come to understand that um, that you know, there's like the rewiring of the neural pathways. You know, when we do when we like take something like psilocybin or LSD, but the tying it directly to enhancing your like learning and memory that's actually not something i would have i would have figured because i i've i've done quite a bit of lsd and not that i not that i feel dumb on lsd but um there you it doesn't feel like you're learning yeah. while you're on it you I know what it, i mean like I, when you're I, on it you're like but it's you're but a five-year-old you're a five-year-old but it's kid. the effect like it's the effect that occurs afterwards yes like, you yeah. know you know you know i just the the comparison i was just thinking of is um I mean, especially my, so I have a MacBook and it's, uh, I don't know, it's probably two, it's probably three years old now. 
And I mean, after a MacBook gets to be after a year, it's like it's a brick. It's shitty after a year. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> throw it out. <laughs> and, and so it's three years old now. And so if I don't if I don't shut it down every so often, it just starts to slow down and then it's harder to open up tabs and it takes longer. And like, what do you do? How much porn work, are you watching? Programs. Oh, I just have a thousand tabs open. <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, I'll, I'll all shut- different X tube sites to <laughs> try to figure out which one has the highest res. <laughs> so then I this so new I sh- like 3D virtual reality porn yeah. stuff that you're trying to ra- run in your browser too. It's uh, yeah, taxing. it's like without a without a VR headset too, which is the strangest thing. Yeah. And uh, and so I'll restart my computer and then all of a sudden it's, it it it's it works perfectly again and then it starts to slow down over time and then it needs a reset and i find that 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 a psychedelic is a very similar type of experience yeah. where i feel like it allow it's a it's a shutdown reset type yeah. of experience where all of a sudden stuff starts to stuff starts to work better afterwards yeah. you start to think a bit more clearly a bit more objectively well a little bit a, a little bit of like an anecdotal thing that i that i was thinking about after i came across this article was that um i have i have like really um really poor uh like medium term memory and long term memory mm-hmm. short term memory is pretty okay but like you know 3 or 4 weeks out i man i can't remember shit like if i yeah, if i ever, if i ever like if one of you guys died and and the cops came to me and they're like, where were you the night of like July 12th, um, 2020? I'd be like, oh, my God. Dude, I, have, no idea. I have no idea. I don't, <laughs> can I look at my Google calendar? Uh, I, 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 I didn't kill him. I didn't kill him. You know? um, but when I do when I do LSD. Um, I remember pretty much everything within that 12 hour period <laughs> for like uh, years. Well, because it's also it's also a much more standout yes because it's yeah, yeah. You're, you're having that experience for 12 hours and the yeah. rest of your life you're 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 getting you're that coasting. you're getting that all the time yes that's right yeah. that's your right that's your regular so so to this article they said new research published in experimental neurology provides some initial evidence that the psychedelic substance known as lsd has nootropic properties the study found that LSD increased markers of neuroplasticity in brain, human brain organ, uh, organoids, increased novelty preference in rats, and improved memory performance in humans. When combined with psychotherapy, psychedelic drugs have, been shown, have shown promise in the treatment of psychiatric conditions such as depression, PTSD, and addiction. But the cellular and modular mechanisms involved in the therapeutic effects of psychedelics remain unclear. Some research has indicated that psychedelic substances produce positive impacts in part because they promote, promote neurogenesis, neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. The authors of the new study were interested in better understanding whether the neuroplasticity induced by psychedelics could be harnessed to enhance learning and memory. Isn't, isn't that kind of like um, what happens, like thinking about this, even before you started reading this article, isn't it kind of similar to the idea of why microdosing either LSD or psilocybin would be a, like, I know that I would think of it typically more to stimulate like creativity. I mean, but I, it is like yeah. the neuropathways, right? That are being, those uh, new neuropathways that are being formed. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, you know, people people microdose for a plethora of different reasons. A lot of people a lot of people who like are um are like seasoned microdosing vets. Let's just refer to them as MDs. Uh as psychonauts. Um they, <laughs> yeah, psychonauts. They, they typically uh 
most people will like will microdose for for like mood, right? Um, creativity is another one. Like I I microdosed LSD while I wrote my TED talk, um, and I I thought it was helpful, but also I I was like I don't know maybe like maybe I'm just <laughs> yeah. telling myself it's helpful. Also yeah. placebo, yeah, like placebo. Could, there could would be some placebo a, in there a for sure. Difference right? too. Um, but yeah, I mean this this notion that like it 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 will actually enhance learning and memory that that is quite interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I mean like it, it's. It's something that um, I mean. I think that this is the the most the most um, kind of like the most like mind boggling thing about all psychedelic research, especially as it comes out now. Is and 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 especially if you if you read Michael Pollan's book or you or you watch the series. Oh, Zaya just had a big doo doo. Oh, I um, heard it. Oh. Yeah, thought, yeah, me too. Actually, I, heard, I thought it was donut chewing something, yeah. and I went, no, that sounded like a felt it on my lap. I'm gonna have to take a brief pause. Um, uh, for people who don't know, if you're just listening, Zaya is yeah, sitting on my the five month old daughter sitting on my lap. Taylor's lap. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and so is that, that the crazy part about how fucking eat it. there was like Damn, incredible, Taylor's. there was incredible research into the, into the psychological benefits for, you know, lots of different reasons, but primarily like research into depression and anxiety and, mm. and, and, you know, mental health disorders and stuff mm-hmm. in the fifties and sixties or in the sixties and seventies, sixties primarily. And then it got shut and then it got shut down. And like, and we have a, we have a 30, 30 to 40 year time frame where, where we, where we just totally lose or we're just totally, and we're not making any, progress in yeah. what these what these drugs could do for us and 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 in the meantime that we weren't discovering those things it was just demonized and said that it was scrambling your brain yeah. like it's yeah it's such a it's i was listening to really a, a tim ferris podcast that just came out uh the other day with a doctor that i hadn't heard of before but maybe you guys are familiar with um i think his name is andrew weil uh but he mm. was like he's uh, quite prolific in like studying plant medicines and he would be a really interesting yeah. guest to get on the show. But he was also s- talking about things like uh, kava and tobacco and things like that. And it was a really interesting rapid. He was probably Do talking you, about rapid. Is, is that the tobacco thing you're talking about? Yeah. The, 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 uh, it's like a, it's like a snuff. It's like a, it's a Peruvian um, snorting tobacco that has, Psychoactive and psychedelic properties. In the first, I did it. I I did it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's awful. In the first episode of uh, of of, um, how to change your mind, mind. blow it right up. um, Yeah, uh, Michael Pollan's face. Yeah, that's what that's what he the guy did to me too. Because he was describing in the in the it's it happens right at the very beginning of the episode. He's describing the psychedelic experience. Yeah. And then you realize he's talking about tobacco and you're like, but whoa, it's, but it's not just tobacco. Like there is, there are properties within this tobacco that are, it's like, it's oftentimes blended with like, uh, like DMT kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's fucking, I did not it was, enjoy it. it was did you do it on the same, in the same time that you did the aboga? Was yeah, it aboga? no, no. Um, uh, it was five MEO DMT, but when I started to come back to wasn't reality it from like a, but what, isn't it called something else? Like it, what, like it's like. I don't know, oh, like traditional bu- name? Bufo. Bufo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 5-MeO-DMT, also known as Bufo. But uh, when when I was coming back to reality, the guy blew it up my nose. Oh, wow. And I, and then I started purging tripping. like crazy. Whoa. No, not tripping. I just started vomiting um, all my hatred out. He uh, he had a really... It, was, it felt good, but it was awful. There was this really interesting quote that came up in the conversation that really stuck with me. That was, he said 
there are no good or bad drugs. There are only good and bad relationships to drugs. Yeah, and he was totally. like, I mean that with all drugs. Like they're yeah. all they all have their own unique properties and could be if studied and applied in different specific ways mm-hmm. could have yeah. benefits but yeah. because we as humans like have specific relationships yeah uh, have these like create these relationships with with the drugs then that is what can cause um harm in people's lives <laughs> uh here's uh, a really interesting little uh, tidbit from this article <laughs> I, I, you gotta change your i actually saber. do have to i do have to change her yeah okay yeah, all right we'll okay. uh we'll, we'll come back we'll be right back we'll be right back gotta change a shit <laughs> diaper Okay, we're back. Poopy poop is clean. Um, so back to this article, really interesting little tidbit here. The researchers created brain organoids, brain-like structures grown from human-induced in, uh, pluripotent stem cells to investigate the effects of LSD at the cellular level. They found that LSD affected several processes, including DNA replication, neural path finding, and mTOR signaling. Not sure what that is. Quote, neither. mTOR um, is a, um, I think it's a longevity gene. Um, it's something that uh, Peter Atia and, uh, um, what's his name, Sinclair? Okay. Um, David Sinclair. Uh, the, quote, the proteomic data from human brain organoids suggests that LSD regulates multiple processes involved in neuroplasticity, the researchers said. Notably, we found significant LSD-induced changes in the mTOR pathway, a protein kinase involved in multiple neuroplasticity uh, events, acting as a hub between plasticity, learning, and memory. To examine the effects of LSD on hippocampus-dependent memory processes, the researcher, researchers had 76 rats undergo a novel obje- object preference task several days after receiving a dose of LSD or an inert saline solution. Rats who had received LSD tended to uh, spend more time exploring novel objects, but LSD did not appear to affect the overall time spent exploring objects in general. Uh, quote, our results show that LSD pretreatment can substantially increase novelty preference in rats several days after, doing, uh, after dosing with a significant single dose effect, the researcher said. The results imply that LSD-induced plasticity enhanced novelty seeking. So it uh, sounds like uh, you do LSD, you're going to be really like, <laughs> like hankering, in to, shit. hankering to, to cheat on your wife, you know, just like novel events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a gangbang happening down the street tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if I can go check that out. I'm here, here for the gangbang. Gang bang. Yeah. Um, it goes on and on, but uh, uh, yeah, this is uh, uh, another quote here. Psychedelics have been demonized since the 1960s, and in the past decade, they have returned to biology and medicine through the front door. Um, however, the utility of psychedelics is not restricted to the treatment of patients with a pathological condition. They can also be very useful to improve the cognition of healthy individuals, i.e. they should be seen as not just medicine, but also as a part of human life at large. Oh, wow. That's I really like that quote. Yeah, yeah, that's from, I would, uh, I would like Robert. to, uh, I'd be, I'd be curious to, to microdose and see if there's any, like, um, to see if there's any cognitive, yeah. Cognitive benefit. Like, cause you know, something like, um, I was telling you that earlier today, like caffeine, caffeine for me is not, um, it's not something that like keeps me awake. At least if I were to like have a, a cup of coffee, you know, uh, in the evening or at night, mm. it doesn't keep me up. Doesn't, doesn't have that effect on me. But if I drink a significant amount of coffee, it's, uh, you know, I can tell us I have, it's definitely yeah. a stimulant. Yeah. 
And I find that if I have two cups of drip coffee, I you're mean, just you're I'm ripped. fucking rip roaring yeah. through work. Like yeah. I am, I'm spreadsheets. Like there, uh, there's there's calcu- there's calculus floating in front of my eyes. I'm yeah, you know yeah. I'm like Matt yeah. Damon in um in Goodwill Hunting. You know, as soon as as soon as I have two cups of yeah. coffee, so I'd like to see if uh, there's any cognitive uh, benefit to microdosing. Do, do you guys think that there will be a new commercial <laughs> campaign in the not so distant future that is say yes to drugs? Yeah, I mean that sounds <laughs> maybe a little uh, maybe a little bit irresponsible, but um, dude, yeah, dude. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, because that's I what know. I'm afraid of. If we legalize drugs, people can just start marketing it. In any way they want. Yeah, I mean, well, so yeah. we should. I mean, there, there is. We should like, criminalize all drugs. Well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, mean, I know you're much. trying to be funny there, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't. Um, uh, you know, you you you, you don't uh, you don't hit home runs every single time, but um, but you, you do have a point. Like the legalization of drugs, although sounds awesome, and 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 probably would be a really great thing. It definitely has to be done extraordinarily carefully and like they're, they're like with with like very um very dedicated work to like ensure that it doesn't blow up in our faces because um it's you know that's a that's a fucking that's a big deal to like mm. even the idea to like make you know to to see us to see us at a point where you know i can go down to the liquor store right now and buy some buy like fucking Twenty packs of of th thc gummies. If we come to a point where, you know, you can go you to a dispensary, you're actually only allowed to buy a no, certain quantity. No, you, well, you can buy a fuckload because I went in the other day and I said, "Hey, I'm here to just buy ten milligram gummies. How many can I buy?" And the guy goes, "Oh, really? oh he was like, I, I guarantee you, you're not going to buy as many. You're not going to buy as many. That would be the limit. That's so interesting. So you might boxes of because if you buy um if you buy waters, you can only buy like you it's, can only buy a few waters. It's all it's different. It's like a weird product. weight thing. It's not. It's not like just. It's not it's just not based th- on. The, it's not just THC. No, what do you mean like, though that it has it's like a weight would, that decriminalizing thing. everything would have to be done carefully? Like what what sort of risks this would you do you think would be associated with decriminalizing everything right away? Just like if tomorrow. The government was like, okay, all drugs, totally decriminalized. Well, less so decriminalized, but more so like like accessible, like commercially accessible. Like commercially accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because there, just, there's there's a, there's a swath of the population that that should be really careful around psychedelics. Yeah, totally. people who are predisposed to things like mm-hmm. mental illness, schizophrenia, those types of things, and they don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know. I'm a, I'm a massive advocate for psychedelics. I think it's, I think it, I, I, and I I totally agree with that statement that it it shouldn't just be looked at as medicine. It should be looked as like a, a human life evolving, you know, um, positive thing, but it's not, I I don't think it's, I don't think that that's a, that's like a a catch, a a, a statement to, for every single human. What do you, what do you think is, because that's a, because you know, it's, that's very true that there is a, uh, there is a portion of the population that has a predisposition for um, like severe mental health, health issues like schizophrenia that mm. where psychedelics can, um, uh, can, I, I'm, I don't think it's, I don't think it's giving somebody schizophrenia, but it's, no, it, no. it's probably going to, it's speeding up the process. Yeah. Well, of, it's, it's like of, our, of what's going to happen. My friend, Emily, um, uh, Emily was on the show years ago. She was one of the earliest guests we ever had. She had, she had about a psychosis. Like, <clears throat> 
she can't do yeah. m- mushrooms. Like, right. you know, if I'm like, hey, I'm going to go do psilocybin on the weekend. Do you want to come? She's like, uh, I'll come, but I can't, can't do, do that. that because. Mm-hmm. So um, what is the. That could fucking destroy me. So what like, is the. THC um, does that for some people too. Yeah. And totally. she, that, she can't, she can't smoke weed. Like it's just, she just right. can't do it. So for, for THC, for LSD, for psilocybin, all things that in the future, I have no doubt will be legalized and maybe I I don't know if commercially accessible in the same way that THC is, but at least legal and accessible um, medicinally in the same way that like opioids are, which that that's not inaccessible to anybody. So what do you think is the best way to go about um, educating? And is it just that? Is it just education? Education. Ongoing. Hey, if this is something that could have these benefits, but also, you know, if you have a family history of X, Y, Z, then, you know, you should be careful around these types of things. I'm not you, sure. I, I'm you know. curious as to how much we know about that. Like if you have a history, like, is there a correlation between if you have a history of, yes. Yes. of mental oh, it's, health? It's like well documented. Well yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I haven't read much about that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, like the, the thing is that I, I feel like the only thing we can do is educate people because I mean, the way that I look at it, and maybe this is an oversimplification of the situation, is that criminalizing drugs has a set of negative consequences. Decriminalizing has a set of negative consequences. The criminalizing, it, from my perspective, probably is, has more negative consequences than the I other think, side. Yeah. I think so. I think it, yeah. it's like, um, what's the conversation we were having the other day that this episode hasn't come out yet, but about specificity and... Um, and, and, and sensitivity and sensitivity. It's like, like it's, it's like you're trying to create the situation that is going to be specific enough that allows people to like, you know, make their own decisions and, and, um, eliminates the risk of like, of, of the negative consequences happening. But also you don't want to cast that net so high that you're actually negatively affecting people yeah you know, who are going to like with, with, um, when marijuana here was criminalized, like people going to jail for having, you know, mm. a couple grams on them or whatever, what yeah. back in the day. Um, yeah. So I, I think it just has to be education. I think that's the only thing that we can do is and educate people and hope that they make the right decisions and know that there we can't protect everybody. And do we think that it's and and I, I don't know the answer to this, but is it is it worse with uh, with psychedelics, psilocybin, LSD than with um, than with THC, or is there a higher prevalence, or is it, or are you more light? Like, if somebody is predisposed to you know severe mental health issues, is it are they are they you know is it a worse outcome with psychedelics than it is with THC? And yeah, if it's the know. same, if it's if it is the same, which I don't know if, if it is or not, have we? You know what are the, what like what are the statistics on since weed's been legal? Like, are we Ooh, have, we, have seen, we seen more? Have yeah. we seen more like THC induced psychotic episodes? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'd be really curious to know the the answer to that because we might yeah. already have the answer to this question that we're that we're talking about it, in it, yeah. reflected in how yeah. things went down after uh, weed was legalized. The other thing is is um. Are we, do we even, will we even know? Because it might seem like there is an up. So, say um, LSD was decriminalized tomorrow and, uh, or legalized and, and people were able to start taking it recreationally. Um, I would assume that we would see an uptick in like hospital admissions for people who 
you know, feel like they're either about to die because they took too much or yeah like we know people who that's happened to with the ls or with the thc right and so so um but they might be more comfortable calling and asking for help because it's not illegal right and so and so do we want a situation where people feel like they can get help in situations that they need it in or do we want to make them feel like they're so bad that if they think they're going to die that they shouldn't call for help I don't know if somebody who's tripping out that way can even really process that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can even process that. No, uh, but do, don't that you thought. think that there are people who are who have been high at times who are like, I can't, I can't call and and ask for help because I did something illegal. It's like the. Um, I'm sure it happens. Yeah, or, I suppose. Or yeah. I mean, this is and and to to bring it back to I guess a more real situation, um, when we were talking to the uh, lady from Mom Stop the Harm, um, what was her name? I'm, I'm drawing a mind blank right yeah. now. Yeah. So when like talking about like bystanders who don't want to call when their friend is overdosing because they're afraid that they're going to get in trouble and you know the importance of being able to like have them feel mm-hmm. sort of empowered in those situations to call and ask for help because they're not afraid of being arrested. Yeah, I mean you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. Like I, you know, I I think mm. I think I think all around it should be uh that that drug should be I mean for for even just eliminating or or not eliminating because you're not going to eliminate but at least size substantially downsizing the black market supply uh, of of drugs that could be that could have whatever going on with them i mean just for that reason Mm -hmm. they should be decriminalized and and legalized i think so that there can be a regulated supply i just don't think that like I feel like people who are uh, against decriminalizing drugs are like live in this world where if that happens, a bunch of people will just start doing drugs. Like like everybody's all of a sudden going to yeah. just start doing it because I mean, it's legal. But that's but just, I just don't think that that it, that is the case. Like sure, I'm sure there are people who would probably feel more comfortable experimenting, knowing that that's the case. People but are I, already doing uh, drugs, right? People exactly. are fucking doing so point. many drugs already. <laughs> like yeah. that's everyone my you know does drugs. <laughs> like you all, fu- we all fucking do drugs. Yeah. There's so so many people do drugs. So little people don't do drugs. So little people don't do drugs. So many people do drugs. We're all doing it. So it's like you know, the, to those people. Go fuck yourself. Uh, all right. There's actually on. probably less people will do drugs if they're legal because then they won't be as fun. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Uh, here's a fucking crazy story. Uh, this is coming out of the New York Times. The body collector of Spain. When migrants die at sea, he gets them home. This is fucking... I, I had no idea about this. Isn't this fucking nuts? This is really nuts. Um, I, reached out to and this, very sad. I reached out to this guy to try and get him on the show. Yeah, Martin... Uh, but he's too busy collecting Collecting bodies, bodies. yeah. Martin Zo, uh, Zamora, the owner of a funeral parlor uh, near Gibraltar, 
has found an unusual line of business among the relatives of those who drowned trying to reach Europe. No one knew the man's name when he washed ashore. His body had floated in the ocean for weeks, and it then sat much of the summer unidentified in a refrigerator in a Spanish morgue. He was one among thousands lost at sea during what has been a record year for migrant drownings in Spain. And he might have sent he might have been sent with the other unclaimed dead to a unmarked grave if Martin Zamora had not figured out that body had a name and a life. He was uh, Akraf Amir. He was 27, a mechanic from Tangier. He had been missing for weeks when Mr. Zamora reached his family by WhatsApp. He had found his, their son's body. He could bring it to them in Morocco for a price. Quote, Sometimes I get the feeling that some years ahead, in 30, 40, 50 years, I don't know how many, they will look at us like monsters, he said. Quote, they will see us all as monsters because we just let people die this way. Mr. Zamora is a 61-year-old father of seven, and he's the owner of the Southern Funeral Assistance uh, Mortuary in Algeciras. 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 No, it's... Algeciras. That's not what it is. Algeciras. No, it's... Fuck, I can't remember the name. Doesn't matter. But in this port city where the lights of Morocco can be seen across the Mediterranean... He has become more than that. Mr. Zamora is the body collector of those who don't make it to Spain alive. Mr. Zamora, who said, uh, says he has repatriated more than 800 bodies in two decades, has forged a business model like few others. He wrestles with municipal officials to hand over bodies so he can embalm them. He works with smugglers to find the relatives of dead and has made scores of trips to Africa. His last to Morocco came the month before the pandemic. For families who had given up their loved ones uh, as missing, Mr. Zamora's work can offer a kind of closure that they had lost all hope for. But his services co- come at a steep cost. He charges $3,500 or more to get a body home. No Spanish agency will pay for what he does, and the profit margins of the work are very low, he says. And so it leaves him in the gray zone, not uncommon in border towns like this, between the will to do good and the need to make a living. Um, during the first six months of the year, 2087 people died or went missing trying to make it to the country's shores, including 341 women and 91 children, according to the Caminando Fronteras, a non-governmental uh, group that tracks the deaths. The International Organization for Migration, a United Nations body that keeps a more conservative count, has recorded more than 1300 deaths so far this year. It's the thing that the thing that like kind of stuck out to me about this story, I mean, A was the 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 part of the story that 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 they talk about in the article which is how he how it started and how he found a he there was a body that washed up on shore mm. and the body was delivered to his mortuary and he is going through the the clothing yeah. and found a note. Yeah. His first and clue came in 99 when he found a note inside the clothes of a dead Moroccan man. Back then the government was outsourcing to funeral homes, the job of burying unclaimed remains in a field alongside a local cemetery. So Whoa. he, so he contacts the, the name, the con he, con he mm. makes contact with the person that was on the note 
and it's the bro- I think I believe it was the brother of the person who died. Brother-in-law of the young man who had drowned. Yeah. And then he basically was like, I want to get this. I want to get this body back. Um, uh, and I will do it. He said, I, I will do this for half price if you help me identify and make contact with the families of, of more, of mm. more of, of more of the dead. And so it, it starts. This, it was like an MLM. Yeah. 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 Right. And then all of a sudden he was like, he wasn't doing anything. And it was just a bunch of people that were identifying bodies. Yeah. And he but, was like, if you can help me identify, then you can keep 10% of the right, next. Right. But, but the, but the thing, the, the thing that really stood out to me was, um, was the part about the money because it's like, yeah. you can't, I mean, you can't just do, you know, this, this guy's, he, he wouldn't be able to do it. This guy's living in, this guy's not, this guy's not a wealthy person. Yeah. And he's, he's doing something. He, he he's doing he's doing this thing that he he needs to be paid for to be able to do it. It's a noble cause. Like he's you know he's yeah. he's trying to he's trying to give closure to families that that are that might have said goodbye to somebody yeah. and knew that they would never see them again, dead or alive, mm-hmm. because they lived in you know like yeah. you know off the grid villages across Northern Africa that they don't have electricity. They don't have devices to talk to people that they, they had said goodbye to that family member and they just thought in their mind, I don't know. I'm, I might never see this person again and never know if they lived or died or made the journey or anything. Yeah. And he's there, you know, he's trying to give these families closure. And one of the wild parts here is uh, the, when he finds, when he, when, you know, when he sees these bodies, the body is the mystery. The clothes are often the, the, the only clues that he has to try to track down who this person was. He said, quote, it can be hard to identify someone's face, Mr. Zamora said, but a shoe, a jersey, a T-shirt, suddenly a family member will recognize it because it was once a, once a gift. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is quite wild to think that this guy is doing something, you know, it, that, that line at the beginning there that, you know, it, it leaves him in this gray zone, which is not uncommon in border towns like this, between the will to do good and the need to make a living. Because um, mm-hmm. there's no way you'd be able to do it for free. Yeah, but I found this. Uh, I, I, heard, I heard this. Actually, this, this story really jumped out at me when I, I was uh, doing a bike ride the other day and I was listening to an episode of The Daily. And, you know, in The Daily, The Daily or, or in any New York Times podcast, they stop and they're like, hey, you know. New York Times subscribers are how we like how we tell these stories and stuff. And they always use an example of a story that they're like, because of New York Times subscribers, we were able to like tell this story of blah, blah, blah. And they just said that. Huh, and no I was way. like, holy shit, that's a crazy story. Mm. And you I were like, I've up. got a subscription to the New York Times. <laughs> I, do, I do. I made this possible. <laughs> and so I just pulled over on the side of the road and was like, just made a note of him. was like, I got to talk about this shit because this, this thing's crazy. Uh, another crazy thing that we should talk about. Um, so recently we did an episode about, um, uh, it was, uh, uh, lipedema. Um, yes. and in that conversation, uh, that we had, uh, we talked about one of the women here in, in Atlanta, Canada, who had gone to Japan for a procedure mm-hmm. to help with her, with what she was struggling with. Uh, so CBC had just put this article out. Uh, Nova Scotia mom says she owes $80,000 after paying for a surgery. Oh no. But says, at least I can play with my kids. Jennifer Brady made her final plea to the Nova Scotia health minister. Brady's letter to Michelle Thompson in June 
came 19 months after her condition put her in the hospital with a potentially fatal blood infection. It came 14 months after a Montreal lymphedema specialist examined her and said she needed surgery. The surgery she needed isn't available in Atlanta, Canada, and the handful of surgeons able to do it in the country, including the one she saw in Montreal, are booked with their own patients for at least two years. So Brady found a clinic in Japan willing to do the job, but the Nova Scotia government refused to cover the cost. The minister was her last option. Thompson has the authority to override the department's decision and have the province cover the cost of an out-of-province surgery. Brady, may, Brady made an impassioned appeal to Thompson. The single mother of two is still waiting for a reply. The procedure is already done and cost Brady 80 grand. She scraped Whoa. up the money by getting a loan against her house. She's be, she'd become so debilitated by her condition that she could no longer wait for the province to decide whether to cover the procedure. Uh, the procedure, lymphovenous anastomosis, is done all over the world. It connects damaged lymph vessels to a nearby vein. A healthy lymphatic system recycles whatever leaks out of the veins, arteries, and capillaries. Okay. You just mentioned that this surgery is done all over the world. Yeah. So my question for you guys is, and I hope that this doesn't come across as insensitive because I don't mean... For, for <laughs> Japan's very far away It's like compared to here. Yeah, It's like so, the furthest you could go. So, so I feel like yeah. if she's writing a letter to Michelle Thompson, Michelle Thompson has to go to her house. If she goes in her house... And she's got anime posters all over the wall. <laughs> and she's like, and it's just like photos of Japan and like those like lonely planet travel guides to Japan. And she's like clearly just wants like squish like, mellows like, everywhere. You know, and and like and the, you know, she doesn't have any way to prove that like mo so much mochi in the freezer. <laughs> so so on to this point though, I mean eighty thousand dollars, it doesn't cost that that much for a flight to Japan. So like well, I mean it was so like all if you're gonna surgery. If you're gonna cover the cost of the surgery, but you feel weird about it being in Japan, then maybe like let's figure out how much your flights were, and then maybe you know maybe that's up for debate. But the surgery itself, I think I think it should be covered. Oh, I mean, if it's the, yeah. if it's the same surgery, I mean, especially if you're, you're if you're evaluating the circumstance and you're going, okay, this is the same surgery that we would have done here, uh, but there was too much of there was too long of a wait, and this and she almost had a fatal infection yeah. because of the condition that she's trying to remedy with the surgery then i mean it seems like a no-brainer it seems like a no-brainer i mean i, I there's a you know there's a you know there's like there's like a there's a there's only a small sliver of me that is like you know, that that is going oh well maybe we don't have all the information but i mean the 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 lion's share of my heart is is going Fucking pay pay this woman, dude. Bill. We read like three paragraphs. We have all the information <laughs> for sure. I mean, except for the fact that we haven't been to her house to check to see if she has uh, a sumo wrestler ring in her living room. She uh, she's not just lobbying for people with lymphedema here. She says the policy needs to be broad enough to ensure anyone can get access to medically necessary care. If they can't be treated in Nova Scotia, then the province needs to pay to have it done elsewhere. Brady argues yeah. her year long battle highlights the lack of options for people suffering with lymphedema in this province. Um, the treatment that is available in Nova Scotia is minimal and serves only to manage the symptoms of the illness. It includes costly garments and specialized massage therapy that helps to manage fluid buildup. For Brady, the cost is several thousands of dollars a year. Now she is $80,000 in debt. Nova Scotia's Health Services and Insurance Act says out-of-province procedures won't be covered after the fact. 
But Brady argues the province never provided a realistic chance for her surgery to be approved. The act states that in order to qualify for an out-of-province procedure, a referral must come from a Nova Scotia specialist. But there are no doctors that specialize in lymphedema here, so she went to Montreal. Right. Nova Scotia would not accept that doctor's recommendation for the procedure. Huh. So, um, uh, I mean, yeah. this, this is a, just a fucking classic healthcare system breakdown. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's crazy that it requires a specialist in province to make the recommendation, but what, or, or at least won't consider the recommendation of that specialist. If I province. had to guess, if I had to guess of why that re, that, that exists, I would probably say it's so that a, somebody who doesn't, who operates outside of your province doesn't, because I, 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 I do get the sense that doctors who are here feel like they've got skin in the game in terms of the healthcare system and like how much it gets taxed and stuff. Like I, yeah. I get that sense. So I feel like that it might exist so that a doctor who doesn't have do you think doctors really think that way though? Like I hear what you're saying, but do you think that they really think about that at all? I think they think about how much they are taxing the system. Yeah, I, totally. Okay, I could see that too. But like, they, when they, I know, I know they are. Because the more that they tax the system in their eyes unnecessarily, if that's how they're thinking of it, then the then the 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 less well everybody gets taken care of. Mm. So doctors are definitely mindful to only do what they think is necessary. Mm-hmm. I could also see it um, from the perspective that. Uh, oh fuck! I forgot what I was gonna say. It's because my point was so. You need to do more LSD, Brian. I do. Uh, I want to think of that. I want to think of it. Have you guys ever? uh, Have you guys ever heard of goal ball? Yeah, actually, it's like goal ball. It's like handball, right? Kind of. I played Gaga Gaga ball the other day at a playground. Don't ever say that again. Oh, I was Um, gonna. The point I was gonna make. The I. I just want to. Uh, I, I came back, so I, I, great. I don't good. do enough drugs. We but moved on, but go on, go on <laughs> into it because it, uh, I'm sure it's great. It's an important point. So I think, do you think that it, it has anything to do with the fact that um, healthcare is provincially regulated? So the the like jurisdictions that people would, specialists or professionals would fall under would have certain rules of things of how they should operate, like best practices and mm. things like that. So if you were allowed to go and see a specialist that, you know, functioned outside of your system. So for example, the I could Nova see that Scotia, from country to country, but the Nova Scotia, province, province. I, I could see a province to province um, from the real estate perspective. So the Nova Scotia real estate association, um, which real estate in Canada is provincially regulated. When I worked in real estate, um, the Nova Scotia system was seen to be the most pr- protective of the consumer. So there was a lot of like paperwork and things that you had to do that you wouldn't have to do elsewhere in the country. Um, and so therefore, if Nova Scotia was to, you know, offer to pay an insurance claim for somebody who was um, like wrongly done in a real estate transaction, but there was nobody who could like validate that transaction from like, a, you know, say there was no structural engineers in Nova Scotia, but there was one that could give an opinion from out of province, they might be concerned that that engineer's opinion might be more lenient based on like the looser sort of rules and regulations mm-hmm. that are from that different mm-hmm. jurisdiction. And because you can't control <laughs> that because you have no jurisdiction there, maybe they're concerned that like a, a specialist operating outside of the system might be more likely to prescribe uh, a more expensive treatment. Um, and so, yeah, they they would be not willing to 
pay for that. Now, do you want to make a, a do you want to like <laughs> somehow link this to like finance? <laughs> no. While we're at it here? No, I'm okay. Are you sure? Yeah. But do I'm you think good. that's a, do you think, uh, whatever, Jerry, you know, <laughs> okay. Taylor, do you think that's an interesting perspective? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a valid, it's definitely a valid point. Definitely could be. It's a valid point. Be, it is a valid point. It's boring as fuck, but a valid point. <laughs> yeah. A valid point indeed, but boring as shit. If you do more drugs though, you might be more so inclined to learn from this experience and you might boring. think it's more interesting. Uh, kind <laughs> of you want to talk about your handball stuff. Trying so. to move it along to get to something interesting because this is boring the shit out of me. Uh, goal ball. Okay. Goal ball is a team sport designed specifically for athletes <laughs> with vision impairment. <laughs> oh, this is this is basically not oh op- the opposite of dodgeball. It's uh uh it it, it is. <laughs> it is sort of it's yeah, it's dodgeball without eyes and a net. But you're not trying to dodge it, you're trying to block it, aren't you? You are trying yeah, yeah, you're you're trying to get in the way of the ball. So it's, but you can't see anything. Right. So it's so non-dodgeball. It yeah, it's specific it's specifically non-dodgeball for people who are uh visually get, impaired. Get in the way ball. Uh get in the way ball is another actually another name for it. Uh participants <laughs> compete in teams of 3 and they try to throw a ball that has bells embedded into it into the opponent's goal. So they have giant nets. They're uh Nine meters wide by a meter and a half tall. Here's a, a little uh, a little Go intro ball. here. Go ball. Go ball is a team sport created specifically for athletes that are blind or partially sighted. It looks fun as shit. The court is 18 meters long and nine meters wide, with goal lines at each end and a center line dividing the surface. <laughs> so, uh, so this is uh, this has come to us from uh, from Stina. She put this in uh, in our Discord. Thank you, Stina. Um, I, I want to play this and, and apparently people who are, uh, who are, uh, able to see can play it, but you have to wear, everybody has to wear these blinders. So you wear like, like sleep masks, essentially. Here's a, here's a video of some, of six players some players doing with it. Only three players, two wingers and a center allowed on the court at any time. The ball is thrown underhand. Is that spin throw? Motion. Once thrown, it must bounce or roll in your landing area, and again in the opposing team's landing area. I mean, it's and they were shown a lot of goals. I wonder, like, how high the score gets <laughs> I know, I'm in like, this game. Like, like, yeah, there we go. Quite a yeah, there we go. There's a save. Players can pass the ball to teammates, but the ball must be thrown across the center line within ten seconds of gaining possession. The goal- I wonder has, how much you can bounce it. So, so it's it, the the ball itself is actually quite heavy. Um, and it's like it, a medicine ball. It's like a medicine ball, and it's, it's got bells ringing in it. So, like, I guess you're supposed to hear it, like yeah. jingling towards you. Yeah, totally. Um, it's. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. The ball is thrown by hand, never kicked, uh, using ear hand coordination, originating as a rehabil- rehabilitation exercise. The sport has no able bodied equivalent. Able bodied athletes are also blindfolded when playing the sport. Played indoors, usually on a volleyball court. Uh, games consist of 12-minute halves, formerly 10-minute halves. They just couldn't get enough. Uh, with a three-minute <laughs> halftime. Uh, where there is a tie, golden goal overtime occurs in the form of two three-minute periods. Um, are there any I, I want to play it. Like, I want, yeah, like, like is, there, okay. is there goal ball going on in Nova Scotia? The only thing is it would be so annoying if you were actually fully blind and you were playing with uh, somebody who wasn't and they were just blindfolded and you just felt like they were peeking the entire time wouldn't that be fucking annoying you yeah because like when you put a sleep mask on all you gotta do is this yeah right? i know right? Right, look you, up and look down your nose right you'd you'd peek yeah i'd definitely peek would you 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> I did, you guys, did you guys I ever? Wouldn't. You fucks. Did you guys? Did you guys ever play? Uh, you guys are fucking cheaters. Like when you play Seven Up. You guys and, are cheaters and liars. Heads up, Seven Up. I always looked. Yeah, dude. There was a the easiest way. How did you peek? Oh, I just fucking slid myself down the desk. Yeah. What What would you look at though? At shoes. Yeah, shoes. Those are the giveaways. <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially when you people were wearing those big fucking clunky DC. Shoes back had, in the day, I had a pair of those. like globe shoes, <clears throat> like those big. And big you know what's fucking... funny is that I always remember thinking to myself, "How does nobody? How can nobody tell that I'm that I'm looking?" Yeah, I can't believe you fucking cheaters. <laughs> this is blowing my fucking Dude, mind right now. You know, you know, the only thing that matters. I'm so sad. Is winning, winning, winning the right way. All right. Speaking of hey, what, a, what a loser! My my coach used to say, "If you're if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough." Wow, your coach used a, to say that. That's yeah. a wonderful wow. insight. Must yeah. be nice to be that guy's wife. <laughs> all, right. All, right. all right, moving on. Uh, um, <laughs> they did get divorced. <laughs> we uh, um, uh, that's not funny. Monkeypox. That was um, funny. Monkeypox. The World World Health Organization uh, is looking for a new name for monkeypox. Monkeypox. Uh, the name monkeypox is a bit problematic for for a number of uh, reasons, and so um, the what world, are what are the reasons? I haven't heard that. Uh, it's it, it's there's issues with the name for like um, it, a few different reasons. It's uh, it sort of like ties the name to like African countries, and they're trying to they're trying to change the way that we like relate to viruses depending on like the location of where they come from and have something that's a little bit more generic. There's like, there's like ethnic groups that don't really vibe with the name monkeypox. It's, there's like a race issue. It's a bunch of shit. So they're trying to find a new name. And uh, one of the names that is not out of bounds, it is on the sheet that you can vote for is Poxy McPockface. <laughs> and, uh, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. Just like uh, Bodie McBoatface, which was almost uh, what, we, what we were going to rename the, um, the uh, fairy here in Halifax. But uh, Bodie McBoatface? Bodie McBoatface was, was one of the options that uh, they had put on there. To rename who? Uh, the fairy. Oh, the fair. Oh, right, right, right. Like the Dartmouth Ferry. It was also almost the street name for here. It was almost Streety McStreetface. That's right. Streety McStreetface uh, oh, that's on, right. on our street here that we are currently recording. Do you at. know if they renamed our street? Not yet. Um, while the names of the diseases are sometimes chosen by experts, the WHO, the band, who? Uh, has decided to open up the process this time to the public, having welcomed submissions from a number of contributors via its maintenance platform, which provides various ways to contribute. These include Poxy McPoxface, which Reuters, Reuters uh, reported Reuters. Uh, <laughs> was submitted by Andrew Yee uh, in an allusion to Bodie McBoatface, which, as you may remember, was almost the name of a British polar research vessel, uh, which was also oh, named right. via public boat, which is then what it translated down to the Dartmouth Ferry almost. So, uh, is that where that came from? I didn't realize it that did. It yeah, from, it, it uh, was like international news about that they were going to change it to that British ship. And then, so, if they're changing monkeypox, are they changing like chickenpox and like because there's like a ton of different animal and they're trying to pox. they're basically trying to like move away from that, like move away from the like those types of names. And and I think poxy mix mix face, like that's better. 
Guys, we should just That's go with me. um. It's definitely more. Uh, it's, I mean, fucking dude, it's, fu- it's pretty glizzed. <laughs> I mean, it would it's be pretty glizzed up. If you, if you had monkeypox, you would be epoxy McPox face. Yeah, I mean, it's You'd not. Be, it's pretty fire. Honestly, anything, everything should just be named like uh, like stars are named, like like B one N X four. Well, I mean, that's Three. I mean, that's that what is, they start doing with the variants. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I mean, like, I mean, especially in real like I, I mean, it, it's harder. It's I guess it's 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 a it's a bit more of a reach for my mind. Like I have to think about it more with something like monkeypox because it's been around for so long and like and it's been monkeypox for a really long time. So it's like it's harder to think about it. But it was very easy to see that same line of thinking for covid variants where um where uh, you know a new variant was emerging from wherever and it was like and now like you know all of a sudden the whole fucking because the whole world was on fire everybody was like fuck that place so the african variant <laughs> yeah. get them yeah, okay, yeah get like, we just found it yeah. guys we found it it's we discovered everywhere. it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think i think with monkeypox too there's like there, 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 race is a big thing i think it's like i think there's um there's a lot of like issues with um specifically like blacks and and like like it i mean i know that like i read somewhere that like in all of the like in all of the medical literature it's always like a black person like the image is a black person's body covered in monkey pox and like you know the term monkey is like not not a very kosher Sort right. of term for like which which was like derogatory derogatory used, used yeah. derogatorily yeah. for you know yeah. fucking years. But it is named monkeypox because it was derivative. It's a derivative of a of it comes from a, from a monkey, right? I mean, I'm I'm not. I think so. That yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a statement Friday, the UN Health Agency all uh, said it has also renamed two f- uh, families or clay clads of the virus using Roman numerals instead of geographic areas to avoid stigmatization. The version of the disease formerly known as the Congo base as the Congo basin will now be known as clay clade or clad one. Uh, and the West Africa clade will be known as clade two. So like they were, they were like spe- specifying versions of monkeypox to locations. So they're trying to stop mm-hmm. that. The who said the decision was made following a meeting of scientists this week in uh, and in line with current best practices for naming diseases, which aims to avoid causing offense to any cultural, social, national, regional, professional, or ethnic group, and minimize any negative impact on trade, travel, tourism, or animal we- welfare. So I think the other thing, too, is like, you know, protecting monkeys, maybe, you know, like not their feelings. Vilifying monkeys. Uh, numerous other diseases, including Japanese uh, uh, Japanese encephalitis, uh, Marburg virus, Spanish influenza, and Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome. <laughs> That's such a fucking ridiculous name. Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome. MERS. MERS. You got the yeah. Middle Eastern sneeze. Yeah. Uh, has been named after uh, geographic areas where they first arose or were identified. Who was, has not publicly suggested changing any of those names? But I'm sure the day will come. I'm sure it will. Um, all right, here we go. You ready for what the hell? Always. A hero cat 
saves owner's life by pounding on her chest mid heart attack. No, Brian, this cat—that's <laughs> my—is you, dude. Yeah. You know what that cat was actually doing? My reincarnate. <laughs> that cat was actually trying to play the drums on their chest to alert all their cat friends that they could come and eat this soon-to-be ready <laughs> meat. That's because awesome. that's well, what cats do. Let's see here. Cats may have nine lives, but humans sure as hell don't. Which is precisely why Nottingham woman. Sam Felstead is grateful for her feisty little feline. The 42-year-old was woken up by her cat, Billy, in the wee hours of the morning by her usually standoffish pet pounding her chest with his paws. She then realized the early wake-up call was not because her cat was after a feed or attention, but because something was seriously wrong. She was unable to move her body and had shooting pains down her side. Sam dialed uh, 999, which is the equivalent of 911 if you're living in London uh, and was told an ambulance would be a two hour wait. So instead she was rushed to the hospital by her mum. Sounds like here. Scans showed that uh, one of her arteries was blocked and doctors confirmed she had suffered a heart attack in her sleep. The 42 year old spent three days in the hospital before being discharged and was reunited with her beloved British short hair, who she now credits for saving her life. Yeah. This is what they were actually, she was actually going, the cat was like going. Just, just friends, bat, just batting her. Yeah. Hear the war call. Hear the war call. <laughs> Come eat fresh her meat, eyes fresh with me. Meat, fresh yeah. meat is fresh meat is soon to be served. Uh, she said Billy was on my chest and was meowing loudly in my ear hole. <laughs> Who says ear hole? Uh, he was really meowing. He's not a lap cat. He's not a light cat either. He's certainly not a cat that wants to be on your knee all the time. He likes to be alone. The staple forward woman revealed that doctors told her she was lucky she got to the hospital when she did. She said, I'm glad he woke me up. Who knows if I would have got up without him. I could have been worse. It could have been worse for me, she said, adding that her alarm would not have gone off for another couple of hours. Well, I think I do think he saved my life. And so does everybody else around me, she said. Now, here's an interesting thing. I know what you're thinking. It's like, well, it's just a coincidence. Your fucking cat woke you up right when you were having a heart attack. That's exactly what I was thinking. But (laughs) I will say this. I will. I will say this. Rose, Bridie's cat or Bridie's dog. Um, when Bigby had tumor, it, tumors in his head, she was sniffing his head incessantly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and this was long before we knew he had tumors. And I said one day, I bet you she's smelling tumors. And she was. Dogs can sniff out COVID. Uh, some, another dogs, thing, some, some dogs can sniff tumors. So, and too, some like dogs can sniff tumors as well. Um, another thing that I, that I just recently was having a conversation with my, my girlfriend and her mother, both nurses. Um, there was uh, one of them were working in like a, a a care facility for elderly, and there was a cat in there, like a a sort of like <laughs> I don't know what you call it, like a like a a therapy cat or whatever. And the cat would go like in the middle of the night, go and sit at the base of the bed of the next person that would die of the next person that would die. No, yes. fuck off. Yeah. No, yes. Nuts. Yes. And <laughs> no dead, like dead serious. And, and so is that a bad omen though? Like where people are afraid of well, it? Yeah. I don't know if it's an omen. I think it's more so like the cat must like have a sense that like, Oh, this you person's about next. to croak. And so like, I'm going to go like, I don't know if I can anthropomorphizing here, but like maybe I'm going to go sit with this person as they die. Like they're and like wait little to eat them. They're, yeah. I mean, it's either, it's either that I, I like, to, I prefer to think that they're like, you know, they're doing like, like compassionate end of life care, um, in their own little ways, but maybe they are going, you, know, you smell, you smell like you're about to croak. I'm going to eat your asshole funny first. Because Jerry, you, 
you've you've had cats and I've also had cats and um and they fucking like suck, dude. Cats I, suck. I actually I, I actually, fucking said it, world. I cats actually, suck. Hey, I'm not a cat person. I'm a I'm a dog person. I don't have a cat. I have a dog. But like, man, cats can be okay. They're just not. They just don't give you the love. They just. What the fuck do you want a cat for? Yeah, that's what a good, is a cat a, doing for you? It's a good question. <laughs> it's a you fair know, question. Like to ask. when you come home, they don't give a shit. <laughs> when you want to play. They might give you a little bit of playtime for like a minute, but they're not playing with you. They're playing with a laser pointer. They're playing with a fucking feather. They're not playing with you. The dog's like, I'm playing with you. I'm playing with my daddy. A cat is like, I'll, I'll like, do you have something that resembles a rat? I'll play with that, but I'm not playing with you, fuckhead. You know, fuck cats, dude. Fuck cats. And they dude, also tell just, us how you feel. Dude. And you know what? You know what? Here's another thing. Fucking, uh, I think it was Poland. They just they just announced cats. I was gonna put this in the show, but I was like, this has nothing to do with the show. But they they had just they just announced that cats are uh, an uh, an alien invasive species. No, they, they did. <laughs> All right, fuck it, guys. We got five more minutes. I'm gonna fucking. I'm bringing this up. Uh, alien species cat. This is it, dude. Brad, can, Fucking... you, can you keep an eye on my daughter over there? Yeah, I got her. <laughs> A scientific institute has classified uh, cat, pet cats as, as invasive alien species, and cat lovers are not happy. I'm sure they aren't fucking... Fucking cucks. Uh, a, 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 a Polish, a Polish scientific institute, a Polish scientific institute has categorized domestic cats as an invasive alien species. The Polish Ac uh, Academy of Sciences has defined the house cat, uh, Felis catus, uh, as alien, as it was domesticated in the Middle East and has deemed cats as invasive due to the negative influence of domestic cats on native biodiversity. They explain in a statement, the Academy has a long list of animals they deem as an invasive alien species, including the Japanese knotweed, raccoons, clear, uh, clear wing moths and mandarin ducks. Well, that's a uh, it does sound like they're just going, yo, if you ain't from here, we don't like you. So uh, Poland, I don't know. You guys sound a little fucking problematic here. Uh, they state that such species pose, quote, an unpredictable risk to local wildlife, which is fucking true. Citing a study showing that cats in Poland kill it and eat forty eight point one million birds, five hundred eighty three point four million mammals, res uh, respectively. No, eight point nine. Wow. No, no, yeah, actually million. Yeah, yeah. Oh fuck! Yeah. Oh, dude. I was joking. In the in North America, billions. Yeah, cats right. kill billions of birds and mice. My host cats used to. Yeah, dude, they bring. Dude, my yeah. cat used to when I was growing up. He used to bring home little fucking treats all the time. So yeah, so that's it. So sick. Uh, you heard it here first. Sick Boy Podcast hates cats, and if you are a cat lover, you better not be buying a ticket to our live show. Yeah. In yeah. Vancouver yeah. Uh, on September 21st. Because we're anti-cat, and if you like cats, we're anti-you. That's right. And if we find out you come to our fucking show and you're a cat lover and you have a cat, we're gonna we're gonna out you and uh, we'll beat you up. We'll be we'll we'll get the audience to beat you up. Right? So fucking stay at home, you fucking cat loving fucks. We don't want nothing to do with you. Don't buy our fucking tickets. The link is in the show notes. Don't even fucking click it. Don't buy a ticket. If you like dogs, come on out. Bring your fucking dog. All right? Bring the dog. Sneak Actually, it in. Don't do that either. Fucking do it. Bring a dog. <laughs> the establishments are not dog friendly. They are dog friendly now. And and I'll tell you right now, you bring your fucking cat, we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna fucking skin it. Holy fuck. 
All right. That's it, folks. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of uh, Sick Boy Podcast. Uh, if you uh, if you, if you want to support you want to support the podcast, uh, first thing you can do is kill your cat. Second thing you can do is uh, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast and uh, go to Spotify and leave a rating. And uh, join us on Discord. I'm sure on Discord, a lot of you, a lot of our Discord uh, folks, uh, one of the prerequisites to be on Discord is uh, no cats, no cat owners. <laughs> So, that's actually uh, why we had you, to let Lauren if, go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And if you want to, uh, if you want to join Discord, you can come on over there and uh, and see and talk about all the love for dogs. So uh, go on and do that. The show notes uh, you can find the Discord link there too. The cat never ate my fucking <clears throat> slides. And uh, if you want to <laughs> send true. us a letter and tell us about all the reasons why you won't be listening to the show anymore, which <laughs> which which I couldn't for the life of me think of any reason why you would. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, if you want to. <laughs> Letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to uh, be on the show, go to sickboypodcast.com uh, slash contact. Um, we have a box in there specifically that makes sure that uh, screens for cat lovers. And um, yeah, sickboypodcast.com slash contact. Fill up the form. The views of the hosts on this show are explicitly <laughs> their own and uh, do not reflect the Sick Boy brand whatsoever. Uh, thank you so much to our manager, Jeff Lonis, who has made us add this new disclaimer to the show and to Rich O'Coin for the theme music. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.